Kids are really good at playing favorites, aren't they? They'll determine who they're going to be friends with and hang out with and talk with based on a lot of outward things, right? based on if they're good at sports or if they've got the right kicks. That's slang for shoes. <laughs> if they are funny, all of these outward things is what often our kids end up doing to determine who they're going to be friends with. They play favorites. And, and what do we do as adults? We say, it's not what's on the outside that matters, but what's on the inside, right? But it's not just kids, is it? I mean, let's be honest. We as adults are really good at playing favorites, too. And maybe it's not about the kicks that they're wearing or how good they are at sports, but, but it's, it's other things. Other things that we judge people based upon and end up playing favorites. And it's usually something much more sinister than just who's going to be my friend. It's who's going to benefit me the most. How is this relationship going to help me or hurt me? Adults are really good at playing favorites too. Anyway, there's another word for favoritism or playing favorites or being partial. It's discrimination. And while you might be okay with the word favoritism, it doesn't sound so bad, that word discriminate, that'll bother you, won't it? If I tell you that you, dis you are discriminating. And maybe, maybe you don't, or maybe you won't at least out loud say that you discriminate against someone based on their race or their gender or their age. Maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, and, and I don't think any of you would. But what about to a friend in a private conversation? What about behind someone's back? What about even just a thought that goes through your mind, even just for a moment? If it's something based on something outward, it's discrimination. And it's evil. You know, even if you try to convince me that you don't discriminate, right? That, that you don't see any differences between any people on those outward things, fine. You don't have to answer to me. In the end, you're going to answer to God. He's your judge. Uh, but, but we all do discriminate, even if it's in more subtle ways than those big things like age and race and gender. We discriminate in much more subtle ways that we become okay with. We judge people based on outward things, such as maybe it is material. The area of town that someone lives in, or the kind of car they drive, or, or maybe that they don't have a car at all. Maybe it is the clothes that they wear. Maybe they're old and out of date from our standards. Or maybe we, we judge people based on their, on their family. Right? We, they have really well-behaved children. That must mean that they are very good parents. Or the reverse, their kids seem to be little brats and undisciplined. That must mean that they're bad parents. We judge people which leads to discrimination 
based on if someone's divorced or not, or, or if someone is a single parent without knowing the full story of what's really going on there. We judge, and we show favoritism, and, and we discriminate based on maybe someone's church attendance, thinking that shows what kind of a Christian they really are. Or maybe it's looking at someone and saying, man, I'm so glad I have not messed up my life like that person. Or maybe it's thinking that person has just had a silver platter handed them their entire life. They have no idea what it means to work hard. You're judging based on outward things. And judgment leads to favoritism and discrimination. And it has no place in the life of a Christian. It's evil. It's sinful. It causes division and hurt. It destroys the body of Christ. It has no place among Christians. And because the danger of all of this, you know what the danger is, is that we are saying that some people are better than others. And maybe it's us. Maybe it's we think we are better than others based on all of these other things that we see in their life. Or maybe it's the other way, that you look at other people as better than you because of what's going on in your life or theirs. But this is so dangerous because we're saying that some people are better than others. And maybe, that, maybe that's at the heart of it, is, is that we want to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. We want to try to push down or hide or ignore our inadequacies or our weaknesses or our failures and, and highlight those of others so we can feel better and sleep at night, puffing ourselves up, exalting ourselves, and putting others down. My friends, this is dangerous. This is wrong. It is sin. It is evil and has no place among Christians. And that's who James is writing to here in this letter. He is writing to Christians, people who believe in Christ, people who know that they are loved by him and forgiven by him and will live forever with him. And he's writing to these Christians and telling them that this has no place in your life, this sin of favoritism or discrimination, or judging, whatever word you want to use. And it's something to, to, to identify in your life, to search your heart, and to be admonished for, and, and to repent of, and with God's help to overcome, and to struggle against. This is how James begins this letter. He says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, you must not show favoritism. He, he calls them his brothers and sisters. We are one in faith together. We are believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. This favoritism has no place among you or in you. And then he goes on to, to give this hypo, hypothetical situation. And he talks about uh, when in the situation that he gives is when a rich man and a poor man come into their worship and they're treated very differently based on their socioeconomic status. 
But this is a hypothetical situation. And, but, so you can apply this to any, any situation in life or in church or anything that would divide us or, or make us different from each other and apply it to that too. Listen again to what, what James says. Again, this was our second lesson if you want to follow along or if you have your, your Bible open or pew Bible. It says, suppose a man comes into your meeting, literally worship, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? So let's, let's clarify something here. Let's make sure we understand this properly. Uh, James is, is not saying that those who are poor in the things of this life are going to be rewarded with heaven because of their poverty here. That is not what he is saying. But what he is saying, and, and where the, 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 the favoritism and the judgment and the, the discrimination comes in, is, is it is a general truth that those who are rich in the things of this life struggle in, a re, in their relationship with God. It, Jesus himself said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Because it's so tempting for the rich of this world to make their riches into God. And to think, I have no need for God because I have everything I need and could ever want in this life. And in James' time, he's saying that, aren't these the ones who are putting you down? And now you are, you're showing them favoritism. But on the other side, those who are poor are often, in general, those who are going to look to God and trust in God because... They know that God loves them in spite of their circumstances. They, they, they know that, that there's something greater for them that God has promised than earthly things. It, we, we got to see it when, when we spent time in Cameroon at West Africa, where you go into a village with just dirt floors and thatched roofs, but yet you heard joy and hearts full of faith praising God because they knew that though they were poor in the eyes of the world, yet they had everything they needed, and more in Christ Jesus. James is pointing out that general truth here to help make this point. And when we judge based on these outward things, in this situation, socioeconomic status, how much money they have, what clothes they're wearing, what car they're driving, but apply that to anything that would divide us. Anything that we would judge someone based upon. He says when you do that, he says you are judges with evil thoughts. Now it's true, God does call us to judge. God calls us to judge one another based on his word when a fellow brother or sister sins. In love, in gentleness, in in, in the recognition that I'm a sinner myself who needs God's grace, we are called to judge one another. But not according to my opinions or my feelings or, or what I think is right or good, but, but God's. 
And if there's sin, we're, we're, we're called to call each other to repentance. That is God-pleasing judging. What James is writing about here is not. Because it's based on outward things. It's based on me exalting myself and putting someone else down. It's about who can benefit me and who's going to meet my needs and not thinking about their needs and who they are. James says here, through inspiration of the Spirit, that judging with evil thoughts does not, is not something that is to be among God's people. Showing favoritism and discrimination. It's evil. And if we think it's no big deal, if we think that, you know, what's the harm? God doesn't really care, right? It's just, it's just trying to look at someone else in a different way and, and make myself feel better about myself. If, if you really think it's not that big of a deal, well, listen to what James goes on to say. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. You see what James is doing there by inspiration of the Spirit? He is lumping showing favoritism in with these sins of murder and adultery. These sins that are detestable and damnable. Showing favoritism is right there too. Because showing favoritism or being partial to certain people or, or being discriminatory or judging falsely based on outward things is not loving your neighbor as yourself. It's elevating yourself above your neighbor. And in God's eyes, it's just the same as murder and adultery. Because when God says, love your neighbor as yourself, he doesn't mean just sometimes. He means all the time. To keep that law perfectly in thought and word and deed. That means when it comes to how we view others and treat others too. Instead of showing favoritism, instead of discriminating, instead of judging others with evil thoughts, listen to what we are called to do. It says, instead, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But what's this all about? Obey the law so I can have freedom? Be merciful or go to hell? Well, friends, it's all about our motivation. And what's our motivation? It's first and foremost remembering who we are. Who we are. Sinners. But yet, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, as James calls us. To remember what God has done for us and the mercy he has shown to us. 
to first and foremost remember that, that our, horizontal, our, our vertical relationship with God is one that's based on mercy. That God should want to have nothing to do with us. Because there's something that divides us from him more than, more than all of these external outward things that we divide ourselves with. We're divided from him by sin. He is holy and we are not. He is good and we are evil. But yet God has shown us mercy. He has shown us mercy through our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. The one who took that judgment we deserve for us. Who took that judgment of eternal death upon himself that we deserved. Who took that punishment that we deserved and he paid for it at a cross so that we could be reconciled to God and made one with him. The one who kept that royal law perfectly for us, who loved his neighbor as himself in every thought and word and deed, who never judged based on any outward appearance or anything at all. Instead, what it was Jesus' life, it was not spending it with those who could benefit him and reward him and who would be good to him. No, he spent it among the lowly and the humble. He spent it among the sinners who needed God's mercy. Our glorious Lord Jesus Christ is God's mercy in flesh. It's through him that we experience mercy from our Heavenly Father in this vertical relationship that's based not on what we do or any outward things that we could ever do or accomplish, but only on our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to God and our relationship, mercy triumphs over judgment. Look at the cross and see that. See mercy on full display for you in Jesus Christ. That God loves you in spite of you. That God takes care of your sin. That God removes it from you. So that he can love you. And forgive you. And show mercy to you so that you can do the same for others. Because when we finally understand that this vertical relationship with God is all based on mercy, then, then our horizontal relationships all become based on mercy too. That in our relationships with one another, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And not so that God will be merciful to us, but because God has been so merciful to us. Not so that someday we can live with God, but because we already have the promise that we have heaven and we'll get to live with God forever. Our horizontal relationships become about mercy and love and compassion and kindness because that's what we've experienced from our holy God. And that changes everything. Friends, that's where the shift is in the life of a disciple of Jesus. That our relationships with one another are not about who's going to benefit me. It's not about any outward difference that I can put somebody down so I can puff myself up. And I know this goes against the grain of, of what the world tells you, right? The world tells us to look at the outward things. Satan, he, he loves it 
when we divide ourselves and we fight against each other and fight against each other and, and cause these divisions among each other. Satan loves that because he's destroying the body of Christ. Our own sinful flesh loves it because it's so selfish and self-centered. But think about how this changes everything. When we view our relationships with one another about mercy, instead of discrimination and division and judgment and favoritism, then we get to be Jesus to one another. Then we get to see, if we remove all of those differences and to see what unites us, our faith in Christ Jesus. That because we are brothers and sisters with him, that means we are brothers and sisters of each other, no matter what differences there might be among us outwardly. And so that though all of those relationships change, it doesn't matter what someone looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter if they are going to be a benefit to us or not. It doesn't matter what their political views are. Anything that might divide us is gone in Christ Jesus. And instead, it's looking at our horizontal relationships and saying, who can I serve? Who needs my love? Who needs my compassion? Who needs mercy? Because God has made me the conduit of his mercy to everyone else. And friends, if it, when we do that, not if we do that, but when we do that, the world's going to notice. We're going to stand out. And that's a good thing. When we show mercy to one another over judgment, Satan is going to be reeling. When we show mercy to each other over judgment, right, we can continually live in repentance. We can continually Go to the cross for forgiveness and continue to crucify that sinful flesh that only thinks about itself. And to look at what God has called us to be. And always keeping our eyes on what eventually we will be. When all of these outward differences will be removed forever. When everything that will divides us in this life will be taken away. Friends, we get to be, as the church, as God's people, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, a glimpse of what we're going to get to enjoy in heaven. The picture there is that there are people from every tribe and every language and every nation and every socioeconomic status and every political party and every age, race, and gender gathered before the one who makes us one. And our voices will be united in one to praise him forever. Friends, our lives in this world as the church is to be but a poor reflection of that. To glorify and praise the one who has made us one. To show mercy over judgment. And to show the love of Christ to one another, to the world. Through that, 
And in that, may Jesus be given glory now and forever. Amen. Please stand.